I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. The Livewire podcast is sponsored by Ergo Depot, a company committed to healthy furniture and healthy communities. On the furniture end of things, they've got an entire line of sit-stand desks and ergonomically designed chairs to keep your spine from feeling like an unattractively shaped pretzel. And on the community side, they'll match any charitable donation to Livewire or any nonprofit for 30 days after the purchase of said chair or desk. That's what's known as putting your money where your healthy spine is, or whatever they say. Find out more information at ergodepot.com. Hey folks, it's Luke. Stay where you are because coming up, comedian Todd Berry, the joke genius himself from Conan O'Brien and Comedy Central, will bring the funny. Todd, can we get a sample? No sample, sorry. It's not Whole Foods. Well, this is a show that's not really getting off to uh, a great start. This is... Livewire! From the beautiful Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Livewire with comedian Todd Berry, Congressman Earl Blumenauer, and music from Ramona Falls. All that plus comedy from our troupe, Mana Lotion, and our house band led by Mr. Ralph Huntley. All right, welcome to LiveWire. I'm your host, Luke Burbank, and uh, not to brag, but I was at the gym this week, and I was wondering about something. Well, the the first thing I was wondering about was why it would be that while I was on uh, one of the treadmills, a guy would show up in the middle of my workout and get on the machine next to me and then place not one but two cellular telephones on his machine and then proceed to have a half-hour conversation on speakerphone while he worked out. (laughs) And I was having one of those kinds of workouts where it was just, like, it was pure drudgery. I was hating it, and I was trying to play those games that you play, games like don't look at the time or distance because maybe it'll go faster. Like, I, I put a towel over the machine because, like, that controls time and space in my mind. And then I run for like six hours, but I peak, it's been 45 seconds. 
And I was wondering, like, why, why am I doing this to myself right now? And I realized the reason, and it is because of vanity, you know? Vanity is the only thing that will get you on the treadmill at a Hyatt Regency at, in Atlanta at 6 in the morning. <laughs> you know what does not get you on the treadmill? Self-esteem. <laughs> and I was sort of thinking, like, I feel like maybe with the hard work of, like, Barney the Dinosaur and, and the musical stylings of Whitney Houston, we have developed a lot of self-esteem in this country. Like, we might be at maximum national self-esteem that we need. And I was thinking, you know what made that guy think it was okay to have his cell phone going like that during the workout? That was self-esteem. And I, you know, I'm not trying to say that we need a lot more vanity. Like, we don't need, like, Kardashian levels of vanity in our society. But maybe just a hair, I don't know, a hair more. Like, I feel like self-esteem is the voice that says, it's cool to wear cut-off jeans to your kid's piano recital. And then your vanity says, no way, bro. You're wearing pants, and sweats do not count. <laughs> or like your self-esteem says, like, maybe I'll try out for that reality show, the one where you live in a house with a bunch of people, and you fight all the time, except when you're making out in a jacuzzi. And your vanity says, your mom watches that show. How dare you even think that thought? So... I guess my, my message of hope tonight is uh, that maybe we can go through this show, maybe we can go through this week, just as a country, dialing down the self-esteem 1% and dialing up the vanity maybe 1%. And if dialing up that vanity, if that like, has you on a treadmill in Atlanta early in the morning, be careful who you're next to when you're talking on your cell phone because that person might be a pleasantly plump public radio host from Portland, and they might really need some ideas for their monologue that week. <laughs> and they might talk about you on stage, and your friends might hear it, and they might post it on your Facebook stream, and then that would be the ultimate blow to your self-esteem. <laughs> All right, you guys want to do a radio show? Yeah. All right, here we go. All right, let's hear some music, you guys. Last year, Ramona Falls asked our house poet, Scott Poole, to write a poem that they could use as their bio. That poem included the line, Ramona Falls isn't afraid to tell you through its music that you might die in a rhinoceros goring while wearing a Hello Kitty t-shirt ironically accident, <laughs> which tells you absolutely nothing about their music and is why you should never have a poet write your band's bio. <laughs> about their music, though, nonetheless, let's get them out here. Please welcome Ramona Falls to Livewire. <laughs> Sausage slips, sharpest tongue to cut your breath. Just in my lungs. I'd say we have to, we have to let go of total control. Or to what, to what, to love.
That was Ramona Falls. They're going to be back out here a little bit later. Their latest record is Profit. And you are listening to Livewire Radio. 60% chance of snow in the peppermint forest today. Cool and dry in Gumdrop Mountains. And rain likely in the molasses swamp. That's it for the weather in Candyland. And now back to our lead story. War continued today with heavy casualties reported on both sides. For more, we go to Channel 8's war correspondent, Jen Johnson. Thanks, John. I'm here with the King's Pawn on the front line. Fighting has waged for several excruciating hours today and shows no sign of ending before dinner. How do you think things are going, soldier? Everything started out well enough with a lot of posturing and pageantry. But it's been a bloody mess since then. I saw four more friends murdered in cold blood just by being flicked. A bishop just sort of tapped them and they was dead. Just like that. What's the point of seven years of military training if you're going to get killed just by getting tapped? That's, that's awful. Wait, wait, a bishop killed someone? And after that, he killed a horse for no apparent reason. I'm starting to think he's not a real bishop. Things 
are not looking good for the king, who's under heavy attack. Let's listen in as he tries to keep everything together. Sir Lightfoot, my brave knight, help me. They're closing in. Well, just L out of there, sire. Just jump up and then turn left in midair. They never expect the L. Yeah, I, I can't L, you fool. You're the only one who can L. If I could L, I would be Ling right now. Oh, great. My castle is here. I'll hide inside that. Oh, no, I'm leaving. Sorry, my lord. I'm going to go over to the other side of the board for a while. All right, my castle just ran away. What in blue blazes is happening? It's shoddy workmanship is what it is. Sloppy masonry. Looks like my brother-in-law's work. Well, get back here and fix it. I can't, my lord. It's the pawn's code. Never retreat. Never surrender. Retreat now or I'll kill you myself. Never even wanted to be a soldier. Wanted to be a queen. Don't, don't you mean king? No. Huh. Speaking of queens, the matriarch has been running things on the front lines for some time. Uh, can I get a favor, my dear? I really need your help. Oh, no! I'm having way too much fun up here. Uh, but, darling, I'm about to die, okay? You're gallivanting about covered in other men's blood. You knew my lifestyle when you married me. Uh, you, you see, you're killing people while you're actually talking to me. Your aggression is getting a bit out of hand, don't you think? Sorry, got to go. That harlot in the black dress thinks she's cute. Hear that? I'm coming for you, Martha! Uh, but, Pumpkin, I... Oh, dear. Uh, things aren't looking good, sir. Would you like to make a confession, my son? Yes, yes, I'm so glad you're here, Bishop. Protect me. Oh, no, 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 I couldn't possibly. I only step diagonally, and you are adjacent to me, so... Well, well then grab my hand. Uh, you don't have hands, sire. Well, then grab the little knobby thing on the top of my head, then. I don't have hands either. All right, this war is ridiculous. Okay, everybody, official decree. Next battle, we're all getting hands. It's looking bad down here, John, but good news for the king. This war is best two out of three. Back to you. Thanks, Jen. We'll have more about the struggle and its aftermath tonight at 11. After the break, our Wall Street correspondent dives into today's sale of Boardwalk for a couple of measly railroads. Good business, or is this ship about to sink? Find out after these messages. That is Sean McGrath, Andrew Harris, Laura Faye Smith, Jason Rouse, and Courtney Hommeister. That's our sketch troupe who are calling themselves this episode Manilotion. They're trying out some different names. I guess it's kind of a democratic voting process, but I am a benevolent dictator and I veto that name. So enjoy it for the rest of the show because that's the last you'll hear of it. This is Livewire, the public radio show that regularly panders to the nation's powerful tote bag lobby. Coming up, comic Todd Berry, Congressman Earl Blumenauer, and more music from Ramona Falls. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back.
Welcome back to LiveWire. Now, whether or not you're consciously aware of it, you know Todd Berry. You've seen him on Letterman, Conan, The Larry Sanders Show, and about a million other places. But now Todd is ready to get to know you, the audience. That's because he's currently on a national tour where he simply walks onto the stage, starts talking to the crowd, and sees where it goes from there. Please welcome Todd Berry to LiveWire. Thank you. This guy clapped by touching his knee. That's not clapping. <laughs> That's Portland clapping. That's Portland clapping? Okay. He's holding some white wine in the other hand. He's got white wine and a chicken. <laughs> when did you uh, figure out that you had sort of a knack for doing crowd work, which is the comedian's term for what you've been doing? I don't know. I mean, I've been doing comedy 25 years. Uh, I don't know. At some point, I guess I just got bored with myself on stage, so see someone in the audience who looks like they could be fun and hope that something happens. What are the traditional markers of somebody who's going to be fun? It's usually someone who's not trying too hard to be fun and lets me find the fun. Or if they have a stupid job. Or an interesting job. I shouldn't, there's no stupid jobs. There's some stupid jobs. I guess I have a stupid job, <laughs> now that I think about it. This is your second tour uh, nationally doing crowd work. Uh, are there parts of the country that uh, are, are more receptive to it or are more fertile for the, for the funny? I'd say uh, every city but Portland, really. <laughs> uh, is this whole... Crowd work thing, is it just uh, an excuse to not have to write new material and or remember things? It, that's, a, that's a nice byproduct of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get, you get nervous. On some level, it's calming because you're like, wow, I don't have to make a set list. I don't have to do anything. And then you go, oh, but I do have to fill at least an hour without anything prepared. But uh, it, it's been working out pretty nicely. One of the, I, in, in my uh, experience knowing comedians and doing a very small amount of comedy, one of the things that always struck fear in my heart was the bachelorette party. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, how do you I deal with that situation? By not playing places that they like to go to. <laughs> because bachelorette parties, they come together around the idea of having fun, and one of the girls says, we should see comedy, mm -hmm. because they saw Kings of Comedy once. Right. And then they get Todd Berry, and then it's a situation. And then they get thrown out. <laughs> no, the bachelorette parties and bachelor parties are any sort of group, even like an office party, you know, where they say, hey, there's 40 people from this bank that are showing up tonight. And you go, oh, that that's, doesn't make me want to go on stage. Because <laughs> they think it's like, they get a little like, it's about us, and it's not about them. It's about me. Not about who they're marrying and who cares about that. Or the phallic water bottle they're carrying yeah, and yeah, or yeah. head thing on springs that indicates that they will soon be married. Yeah, and the veil and the wedding dress that they wear. It's what you want to wear to a show. I was being funny. <laughs> they're like, yeah, that sounds good. I should wear that to a show. 
I wasn't being serious. Do you want to try out some uh, crowd work on this, on this live bunch? Alberta Rose uh, folk? I, if they want me to. Oh, and maybe I'll stay seated to do this. Now I'll stand up to simulate actual conditions. <laughs> I'm going to do five minutes. I don't, I don't want to stand up for five minutes. Uh, so I would come out, and I would go, what's going on, Alberta Rose Theater? <laughs> and three of them would do that. <laughs> and 397 of them will just be like, oh, we're not, where am I, where am I? And then I would just look around and see if there's anyone intriguing. No one's particularly intriguing tonight. <laughs> no, I look like someone who might be fun to talk to, like that guy with the Elvis hair over here. <laughs> Big smile. He can't be a mean guy. What's your name, sir? Mark. Mark. That's a fun, easy-to-spell name. <laughs> with a K or a C? K. K. Is this entertaining so far? <laughs> what do you do, Mark? Software. Ooh. That was a problem with the show last night. Is that, it's, it's, it's just, it was just one software guy after another. I was just like, come on. That's why I stayed up there for an hour and 45 minutes. It's just one draining, boring software story after. I'm kidding, Mark. Soft, I use software every day. Really not. It's not fun? You want out of the business? What do you want to do? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> you can't have my job. <laughs> Should I try to talk to another person? I think we, we peaked really nicely with Mark there. If this were a full show, it'd be another four hours with Mark. <laughs> Till it was not funny anymore. And then uh, it wouldn't be funny. Hmm, sir, oh, this, this guy right here. You look like, uh, let me guess what you do for a living. You ready? I'm going to say, yeah, you. <laughs> look like some sort of activist. I don't, no, you're not going to guess this one right. Oh, really? Then this is going to be a good one. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Paleontologist. Nope. <laughs> nope. There's no way you're not a paleontologist. <laughs> I'm not going to even keep guessing. You're absolutely a paleontologist. What are you, sir? I'm retired. Retired. Oh, that's not, that's not cool, man. That was your big surprise ending tonight? My job is don't have a job. You're still working. Play ball with me, man. What did you used to do? Used to, no, I was going to say software banking. Oh, don't be, don't be hilarious. Just tell me what you do. High-tech marketing. High-tech marketing. All right. All right, that's a sample of what crowd work is. All right, Todd Berry, ladies Thank and gentlemen. You. Hey, guys, it's Luke. Uh, we're hitting pause on the show for a minute um, because right now it's a Monday night and I'm in Seattle where I live and I'm sitting in my car outside of the Comedy Underground, which is a comedy club in downtown. And... When Todd Berry was having all that success on stage with his crowd work, I couldn't help but wonder if maybe the reason my stand-up comedy has been not that successful is because maybe I had too many prepared jokes. 
maybe what I need to do is just walk onto the stage without any sort of plan and just start talking to people and see what happens. I've always been way too scared to try that, but I am inspired and I'm going to try to do that uh, tonight. I would say that this is probably the most nervous I've ever been before any kind of performance. Um, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I have that feeling of butterflies where I feel actually kind of sick to my stomach. And what I really want to do is drive away. Um, but I'm not. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do my three minutes of open mic. And I'm going to record it and we're going to see how it goes. Okay. Wish me luck. Here we go. Okay, so here I am inside the club getting ever more nervous. Uh, you know, there's my buddy Brent Flyberg. Brent Flyberg. He's a real comedian. He might have uh, he might have some advice for me. Brent, how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, about six years on and off. Uh, what is your level of crowd work aptitude? I, uh, I'm approaching okay. Okay, so I have never tried any crowd work, and now I'm going to go up there for three minutes at a fairly brutal open mic right. with no, no prepared plan. Um, what would you say my chances of success are? Uh, I mean, slim, but it really kind of depends on like what happens before you and just sort of what. So are you just going to go up there and ask them for topics or are you going to just start talking? Like what is, what's your, do you have any plan? Um, I guess I was going to go up and then like look at someone in the audience and then start, just start talking to them and Mm -hmm. hope that like ask them questions and then hopefully it'll be funny. Yeah. There's nothing to prepare you for crowd work at a brutal open mic. There's just nothing. You just kind of have to get up there and wear it a bunch of times until you're like, I don't care anymore. I don't need you. I want you. I don't need you. Your next comic coming to the stage. Please give it up for Luke Burbank. Hey, you guys. How's everybody doing? Um, What's going on over here, you guys? Okay, uh, sorry, hold on. Um, Okay, just to set the scene for you, there are about 10 people total in the audience in a room that normally holds maybe about 100 people, and they are all spread out kind of in the dark corners of the room. Do you know how much your hair looks like Miley Cyrus from the back? Only from the back, though. Okay, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Pause again. Uh, Just for the record, I want to mention this woman actually totally did look like Miley Cyrus um, from the back. She had the exact same hairdo. And so I guess I was thinking that maybe this could kind of go somewhere. And when I called her Miley Cyrus, she did kind of laugh. I mean, she was mildly um, amused, but then that was it. And so then I got to try to come up with something else. And in my desperation, like in that moment, I ended up going for this joke that is just totally low-hanging fruit and very not original at this point um, regarding Miley Cyrus, I ended up going for a twerking reference. Is that for, like, twerking purposes? Do you, what's, your, what's your kind of, like, twerk proficiency? Which actually kind of gets a laugh. Um, but still, that was not a, a proud moment for me comedically. Um, that was the act of, of a desperate man on stage. And another another thing my friend uh, Brent Flyberg, the comic, had told me not to do was don't get mean with the audience, which is, of course, exactly what I did uh, when I noticed these two guys that were sitting kind of solemnly at their table off to the right of the stage. You don't look very happy to be here. What's going on? Now, did you, do you have a friend who's performing? You guys came. You two. You thought tonight it was like, a was it Monday? You guys were like... We could either watch um, The Big Bang Theory, 
Or we could come watch this guy die on stage. No, really, like, what was the, what was the conversation like when you guys, like, one of you call, called you up and was like, what are you doing, bro? Let's go see some open mic, bro. And then you emailed a high-five attachment to each other. Came down here. Okay, so on a scale of about what 1 to 10, go um, with a 10 being Louis C.K., and a one being um, like a tumbleweed somehow blowing onto the stage and then through the empty chairs. I would say that I was sort of at a solid three towards the end of the performance. Um, I was way less nervous, which was good. And the crowd actually seemed like they were kind of getting into it. Um, But what couldn't have hurt was the fact that I'd gone into my backup plan at that point, which was to literally hand out $5 bills from the stage. Oh, really? Okay. I got $20 in fives. I need to know, though, what if I give you $5, Flash Dance, what are you going to do with it? That's pretty much what I was reduced to, handing out money from the stage to keep the audience's attention. Wow, three minutes is really long when no one's laughing. If I'm ever getting like really close to death, like if they tell me, Mr. Burbank... All right, Brent Flyberg... Um, be honest with me. I'm being serious. Don't don't sugarcoat no it. Way. This is an experiment. What you just observed. How did that go? Better than I thought it would, based on the conversation we had before. You had the best crowd work tactic I've ever seen for keeping people engaged, which is to just hand out money. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all you really... You need them to just stay engaged long enough for you to say something funny. And by pulling out money, people are like, oh, what's going on? I'll listen now. I think the takeaway for me is... If I can figure out how to become independently wealthy and essentially pay people to laugh mm-hmm. and or pay attention, I could become a middling stand-up comedian. You, you could be a pretty good crowd work guy if you just had a, a few hundred bucks to give out at every show. So the three possibly longest, most humiliating moments of my life ever on stage in a basement comedy club in Seattle... But, you know, actually, it was kind of therapeutic because most of the performing I do, either on this show or or other places, I do it in the hopes of getting approval from the audience so that I can kind of feel good about myself. And this crowd work thing was a performance that was almost intentionally designed to create kind of the opposite effect. I mean, I have actual recurring stress dreams, okay, about... Finding out I'm at a comedy club and realizing I have to go up on stage and I have no material ready to go. And I basically went and did that on purpose. And I'm still alive, which is actually kind of empowering. I mean, I am out 15 bucks and I made a really reductive Miley Cyrus joke on a national radio program. But, you know, one step at a time, I guess. Right. Right. All right, you're listening to Live Wire Radio. I'm your host, Luke Burbank. It's fall in Battle Creek, Michigan, and that means one thing, high school football. At Sanderson High School, the season begins with a new coach. I've always been intrigued by football, ever since Joe Namath started wearing pantyhose. That's Margie O'Brien, Sanderson's ethics teacher and new head coach. I asked her how she got the position. We had to let Dave Thompson, the previous coach, go for reasons I'm ethically bound not to share publicly, as he's a member now of a group that has Anonymous in their name. Anyway, I raised my hand and here I am. 
I spoke to some of Coach Margie's players to get an idea of how her style of coaching fits in with the team. Senior defensive back, Jeff Connors. The coach is cool, I guess. Uh, we don't do live contact drills in practice, though. She says it's too aggressive. Football is so violent, so I have them play some other games. Like this one called uh, River of Justice, the Bunala Struggle. It, it's based on the Ugandan LRA conflict, and we just wrestle with stuff like whether peace is best accomplished through justice or forgiveness. I mean, not real wrestling, but it's, it's more metaphorical. For Jeff and his teammates, Margie takes a little getting used to. Coach puts cucumber and papaya in the water? That's kind of different. She doesn't let us do things like intercept passes. No, I don't, and I'll tell you why. Stealing is wrong under any circumstances. Now, I tell my boys if a ball is thrown by the other boys to one of their players and you see it heading towards you, just shoo that ball away. Just shoo it away. Well, what about fumbles? Well, if we recover the other team's fumble, Coach makes us give it back. Uh, give it back with what? With an apology, Coach. Margie's ethical style of play sometimes leaves her players confused. Quarterback Dale Simmons. Yeah, Coach says it's unethical to keep our agenda secret from the other team. Uh, we're to be honest and truthful about our upcoming plays. And if possible, give them time to prepare a rebuttal. instance, we started the game by discussing expectations with the Wildcats. Then, we used a combination of empathetic reasoning and conflict de-escalation to come to a mutually beneficial agreement about what the final score should be. And then we just went out for pizza. We haven't had to play an actual game in a couple weeks. I miss hitting guys. But the yoga is better for my joints anyway. And she's an equal opportunity coach. Mm, I make sure to include kids who otherwise wouldn't get the opportunity, like the chess club and the slower kids. Slow is just fast in another speed. For the Sanderson Cougars, it was the best season they've ever had. They finished with 11 ties, a state record. In Battle Creek, this is Sarah Murphy for Michigan Public Radio. Laura Faye Smith, Sean McGrath, Andrew Harris, and Courtney Hommeister from Manilotion. Livewire is sponsored in part by Whole Foods Market, letting you know that there's a whole world of pears out there waiting to be enjoyed. Our friends at Whole Foods have lots of them, from the sweet green Anjou to the aromatic Bosch and the deep yellow of the Pharrell. More information can be found at eataspromised.com. All right, if you've ever talked to anyone ever about politics, you've probably heard someone say regarding Congress, throw the bums out. Well, our next guest is one of those bums. <laughs> and by bum, uh, we mean a person who has spent almost every waking hour of his life in public service since 1972. 
Please welcome, from the extremely sexy Budget and Ways and Means Committees, U.S. Congressman Earl Blumenauer to Livewire. You're very popular here. We haven't heard that kind of applause since we had Glenn Beck on. It's amazing. Congressman, can we just start with the basics? What, what is the number one misconception that people have about what folks in Congress do and, and don't do? I heard someone in the audience yell, work. Two things. Number one, Todd Berry's set is over, so shut it. Number two, that's actually a good question. Well, increasingly, it's difficult to really be able to focus in on what is actually happening. We have uh, just had our 43rd vote to repeal Obamacare, uh, and we're careening towards a government shutdown, and there are some people that are willing to blackmail their way into a collapse of the global economy. So it's, it's hard to really encapsulate what that is, uh, but it's not pretty, um, and frankly, I'm wondering who the 13% of the people are that like Congress. <laughs> okay, well, like, okay, specific... I guess what, I guess what I'm, I'm wondering is, like, what don't people understand about what goes on back there for you and your choice to become a congressman and sort of what goes into it, the hours that are kept? I asked because I used to be a reporter covering Congress, and what I was struck by when I showed up there was how much reading the people did, how actually dedicated the people in Congress were, regardless of what their political affiliation was, and how much more money they could be making if they crossed the street and became lobbyists. You know what I mean? Those were things I don't think that the American people, maybe all of them, really grasp about what you're doing, and then they just want to say, throw the bums out. Well, it's a very mixed bag. Uh, I mean, part of it, you start with uh, 535 sophomore class presidents. Uh, I mean, it, it, takes, <laughs> it takes a certain kind of person who kind of throws themselves in, into the mix. There are some extraordinary people, truly some extraordinary people uh, who uh, I'm privileged to serve with. There are others that you wouldn't want to be trapped in an elevator with. Um, and it's, it has increasingly uh, become uh, an era of, of much greater polarization. We've always had uh, differences of opinion, uh, uh, Republicans and Democrats would battle over things, but there was a, a certain point where people would come together, uh, solve problems, and there was more human interaction. And uh, today, that is uh, that there's less of that interaction. There is much more that is focused on pretty narrow ideological efforts. Uh, so th these are on people's minds, and it's really changed the dynamic in unusual ways. Is it fixable? I think it is. I spend a lot of time working on second and third tier issues while we wait for the clouds to clear. Um, things like uh, dealing with international water and sanitation. Uh, I'm bringing back the infamous death panels, the uh, end of life care. Um, you know, every time... <laughs> you got to be careful, dude. When you say those words, Sarah Palin gets like a Google alert. Yeah. And even that's, here, we haven't even aired true. the show. She that, already that knows she said joke. that. That was a joke. It's end-of-life care. Uh, and we have bipartisan support for this. Uh, polls that show 90% of the public wants it, and it's starting to move forward. Um, 
I, in my spare time, we're working to try and uh, reform marijuana legislation uh, to where we reach a point where we no longer arrest two-thirds of a million people a year for something that half the country thinks uh, should be legal. I wanted to um, ask you about that. The, the, the Department of Justice has recently announced that they're not going to go after Washington State and Colorado, places where recreational marijuana has been recently approved. Is that a huge turning point, you think? I think it's very important. Um, there's a certain degree of uh, prosecutorial discretion, and I'm glad that they're not going to arrest people in Colorado for doing what is required under the Colorado Constitution. Uh, but it also affects uh, over, a hun over a million people who have legal access to medical marijuana in 22 states, most of which has been approved by the voters. And I think the administration's turning, uh, turning a corner. Um, I'm pretty confident that Oregon and California will be next in terms of voters uh, legalizing adult recreational use. These people have anything to do with it. Well, I think it's going through. Well, I think there are a couple. Wait till 2014, folks. Um, um, but it will really be, I think, a, a very fundamental change in terms of not doing something that invites disrespect for the law. I think uh, we'll, we'll stop shipping uh, billions of dollars to Mexican drug cartels. We regulate it, we tax it, and we get on with life. And that decision by the administration, I think, is a very important step in that direction. You are listening to Livewire Radio. We have Democratic Congressman Earl Blumauer with us right now. Earl Blumenauer. Um, okay, uh, according to what we've been reading, uh, legal marijuana professionals in the places where it is, in fact, legal currently can't write off their business expenses, <laughs> even though, uh, according to the law, prostitutes can in places where that is legal, which seems interesting. Uh, this is due to a law that was passed in 1982 that said anyone selling drugs can't write off their expenses and you have proposed some legislation that would uh, sort of change that. And we wanted to get some clarity from you on this issue. So we talked to a guy named Michael Davidson at A&E Tax Services. And we asked him what would <laughs> and wouldn't be deductible if you were legally selling or distributing marijuana. And Earl, we just wanted to ask your opinion on some of these. Can I hit you with a couple of these examples? Okay. Well, let's work the crowd here a little okay. bit. Okay. <laughs> Everyone's a comedian. <laughs> All right, here's a question. Here's a question, Earl. All right. Thank and we, you. And we have run these by an actual, <laughs> an actual tax accountant. Would this be deductible in a state where marijuana was legal either through medical distribution or recreational? Travel to and from a fish concert. <laughs> I, I'd give it thumbs up, two thumbs up. You're exactly right. Yes. Both the travel to the fish concert and the ticket would be deductible, according to Michael. Uh, you have to go where you can sell your product at the highest profit, so both travel and the concert ticket are straight ahead costs of doing business. All right. Uh, how about a glass blowing class where you're probably going to make a bong? I would say yes again. Half right, it depends. Only deductible if they're already selling both marijuana and marijuana pipes. You can't write off professional development for a future need. <laughs> We're all learning together here. You said on Live 2015, yeah, didn't right. you? Yeah, exactly. 2015. Yeah, you're very. Work you're, with me. Yeah, you're even more progressive than I thought. <laughs> all right, here's another one a subscription to High Times Magazine. Yes. Absolutely. 
Professional publications and periodicals, completely deductible. $900 worth of jacked jalapeno Doritos. <laughs> no. Depends. <laughs> our, our tax professional says it would work as a promotion device, advertising, promotion, marketing, gift with a purchase. Um, and then last but not least, uh, Dark Side of the Moon CD and Wizard of Oz DVD for pairing up. I vote no. You're absolutely right, Congressman. The answer from the accountant was no, and now you're just being ridiculous. <laughs> Earl Blumenauer, ladies and gentlemen. That was Congressman Earl Blumenauer, and you are listening to Live Wire Radio. If you're planning to be in the Portland area, join us for our annual Wordstock show on Saturday, October 5th. We'll have authors T.C. Boyle, A.M. Holmes, and other people with letters for first names. Also, Tanya Donnelly from The Breeders and others will be here. Visit LiveWireRadio.org for more information. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Welcome back to LiveWire. This seat taken. Ah, Mr. Bond. Good evening. I hadn't counted on you turning up. Happy to disappoint you, Blofeld. Gentlemen, the game is Baccarat. Let's see if your luck continues, Mr. Bond. Hasn't run out yet. So, Blofeld, what do you... Sixth, monsieur. Uh, Would you like another card? Uh, sure, why not? Four, Bunko. Okay, so... No, monsieur, put your bet here. Of course. Looks like you're having some trouble, Mr. Bond. Uh, no trouble, Blofeld, just haven't played Baccarat in a while. Uh, Bond, it's pronounced Baccarat. Baccarat. Uh, right, of course, Baccarat. Your bet, sir. What? What's up? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, now, ace is one or eleven, right? No, it's one. It's always one. Right, I knew that. Okay, um, hit me. You have three cards, monsieur. That is the maximum. Right, of course. Of course, I knew that. Uh, go fish? What? I mean, uh, nothing. Uh, nothing, nothing. So, um, Blofeld, I see the X-1 will be launching tomorrow. Yes, Mr. Bond, a satellite that can control all other satellites. Most ingenious, if you... 
No, damn it. You can't bet both player and banker. Uh, I knew that. I was just testing you. Uh, double down. I'm sorry, monsieur. That's blackjack, Bond. Okay, uh, can I split these eights? No, that is also blackjack. Okay, who's rolling the dice? What dice? There's no dice. Uh, now, face cards are ten, No, right? face cards are zero. What? I thought they were ten. That's what? lame. Why is that lame? Sometimes you need a zero Okay, now, when is the river? Jesus, now, Bond, I... that's Texas Hold'em. This isn't a common saloon. Okay, okay. Now, if I bet the tie thing... Then it pays nine to one. Nine to one? Okay, I'll do that. But, uh, ties never... Okay, fine, just put your bet here. Uh, who orders the mozzarella sticks? Mozzarella sticks right here. And the large Mountain Dew. Mm. Are you serious right now, Bond? This is the Monte Carlo Casino. Eight to you, monsieur, and three to player. Uh, six plus seven is 13, you idiot. No, Bond, anything over I'm ten. I'm looking at it, Blofeld. Six and seven, Yes, 13. but you, on- you only take the second digit, so in this case, three. Okay, so when do I... Ooh, look, a flush! Did you just say flush? What? What's up? Look, I was perfectly content to repartee with thinly veiled threats, but now you're just wasting everybody's time. Time waits for no oh, ma- You know what, Bond? Just go and play some slots, okay? And you want some advice? Three cherries means that you win. Bond, are you humming your own theme song? No. All right, I'm, I'm leaving. Good evening, Mr. Bond. Ah, too rich for your taste. What? what? I was just trying something new. Okay, I don't... no, there, there are tutorials you can look up on YouTube, Bond. Do yourself a favor. Oh, the favor. No, would you well... just, just, please, just stop. Sean McGrath, Andrew Harris, and Laura Faye Smith of Manilotion. And now a little segment where we answer your burning questions and also the itchy ones, which seriously you should get looked at by a dermatologist. That's pretty gross. It's Dear Livewire. All right, the live audience has sent in questions to the stage. Also, our web fans have submitted some questions. And the folks from Mantle Ocean and also some of our guests are going to help answer those questions. Natalie writes, what is a pangolin? And the answer to that, Natalie, is it is a cross between a mandolin and a penguin. I know it's a stretch, but that's what it is. Andrew Harris answering your questions. Now, Mr. Todd Berry. When was the last time you nailed it? Uh, I think when I was talking to that guy up front and I asked him... (laughs) I asked him what he did and he had some sort of finance job, so I just stopped performing. (laughs) I think that was a good decision that I nailed. Todd Berry nailing it, as always. Okay, sometimes we get questions from you, the Dear Livewire listeners, and we don't really feel qualified to answer them, and so we bring an expert on, and we got a question just like that from listener Elizabeth, and she asked, why do I keep doing stupid things? (laughs) And we thought that this had some application to, like, let's just say the staff of a certain radio show that records in Portland on Saturday nights. Some of you have seen. So we wanted to call somebody up who knew the answers, and the person we called is... Associate Professor of Neurology at Oregon Health and Science University, Dr. Matthew uh, Brodsky. Matt, are you on the line? 
I am. Why does Elizabeth keep doing stupid things? I mean, we've all noticed it, and we're kind of worried. <laughs> well, I, I guess the, the more the scientific answer for that is that whenever we are in the process of making a decision, there are two parts to the brain that are at war with each other, if you will. Uh, the more evolved part of our brain, the, the cortex, and in particular the frontal lobe, which is responsible for executive function and thinking about decisions and the consequences of those decisions. And then there's the more ancient part of our brain, the basal ganglia and the limbic system, which is, uh, deals with reward behavior. Um, and that becomes active in particular when thinking about sex, food, and other basic drives. And so while we like to think that the frontal cortex and the, 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 um, the frontal lobe is really in charge of these decisions, often it's, it's this older part of our brain that really uh, drives the system and, and overcomes that. Does that mean it's hopeless for us to try to control that kind of older part of our brain? Uh, you know, it, 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 I suppose it depends on, on uh, how much self-restraint <laughs> one has. What if someone uh, has no self-restraint yes. or negative self-restraint? <laughs> Where do they stand? And what uh, if they host a radio show? Uh, probably you're in trouble and you're going to have difficulties. How is your basal ganglia? Like studying this stuff, do you feel like you have a better ability to try to regulate what's going on in there or at least identify it when it's happening? Uh, I'd like to think so, but that's just fooling myself. And no, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> what would your advice be to Elizabeth who, who keeps doing stupid things? I'd say just go with it and recognize that those things that you're doing probably aren't really as stupid as you think they are. There you go. Thank you very much, Dr. Matthew Brodsky. You're welcome. That is not professional advice, of course. All right, that's Dear Livewire, you guys, which is brought to you, as always, by the new Belgium Brewing Company, a company whose core values include environmental stewardship, enhancing people's lives, and creating beers that pair well with people. More information at newbelgium.com. All right, guys, we gave you the first hit for free, but now it's going to cost you. Actually, it's not. This is also free. But it's more of the music of Ramona Falls here on the Livewire stage.
Falls here on Livewire Radio. That is our show. Thank you so much. Our thanks to our guests, Todd Berry, Earl Blumenauer, Dr. Matthew Brodsky, and Ramona Falls. Our house band is Ralph Huntley, Jim Brunberg, and Dave Jorgensen. This show was made possible in part by our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing Company, Whole Foods Market, Ergo Depot, Laughing Planet Cafe, and Burgerville. Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council and Work for Art, the Oregon Arts Commission, and listeners like you fine people. Hotel accommodations generously provided by the Hotel Deluxe. Our executive producer is Robin Tenenbaum. The show is also produced by Courtney Hommeister and Jim Brunberg. Our sketch comedy troupe is Sean McGrath, Laura Faye Smith, and Andrew Harris. Our head writer is Courtney Hommeister, with show writers Sean McGrath, Jason Rouse, Scott Poole, and me. Guest writers of this show were Alex Falcone and Ben Coleman. Sound effects by Jason Rouse. Our technical director is Jonathan Newsom. Our house sound by Graham Nystrom. Stage management by Robin Tenenbaum. Livewire was created by Kate Sokoloff and Robin Tenenbaum. For more information about listening or becoming a member of Livewire, visit livewireradio.org. You can download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and find us on Twitter and Facebook at Livewire Radio. See you next week. Dear Livewire, when we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with, with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait. Actually, no. Sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review. Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show, so you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, Reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time, because we love having this job. Uh, Thank you so much if you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.